Hello and welcome to the Urban Health Podcast, keeping busy city executives and entrepreneurs empowered and healthy. I'm Stephanie Webster. I'm a nutritional therapist on Harley Street, London, specialising in gut health, fat loss and hormone optimization therapy for the over 40s. I'm very conscious about improving my clients' health overall and cancer is very much a concern for some of my clients who particularly have hereditary or genetic predisposition to cancer and today we're going to be talking about throat cancer and we have brought Mr. Asit Aurora onto the show. Mr. Aurora is a award-winning ENT consultant surgeon running an international centre of excellence for ENT head and neck conditions. He is a leader in minimally invasive head and neck surgery and pioneered a transoral robotic surgery, TORS, in the UK. He is the founder of the Global Tracheostomy. Is that correct? <laughs> Tracheostomy. Tracheostomy co- Collaborative, <laughs> a worldwide network of top healthcare institutions. He is a highly regarded uh, practitioner for his work in healthcare quality improvement and patient safety. Thank you so much for coming into the show and for tolerating my uh, lack of pronunciation. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pleasure, Stephanie. Thank you for having me. So, Mr. Aurora, what made you become an ENT physician? Well, Stephanie, I think that when I was training to be a surgeon, my first exposure of ear, nose and throat and actually head and neck surgery, particularly neck surgery or neck anatomy, came from uh, training and teaching medical students the anatomy of that in in, in, the, in the lab. And... Um, and, and and, and having sort of enjoyed the complexities, really, of the anatomy, um, that then prompted me to do training in ear, nose and throat. Just really enjoyed it. Massive diversity uh, within the specialty from, you know, complex head and neck reconstruction to plastic surgery, facial plastic surgery to microscopes and ears. And there was a broad diversity, a diversity interesting pathology, um, and, and I think that really attracted me in, in, in the offset. Then what I realized going through my training, uh, through my subspecialist training, was how linked with technology the specialty of ear, nose, throat, head and neck really was, and how it had really grown with the advent of microscopes, endoscopes, and, uh, and, uh, and whilst I was doing my PhD at Imperial, in robotic surgery, uh, this was sort of a, an additional allure, really. It was almost interwoven into the, into the specialty um, as an emerging to a really established um, specialty, um, which, which for me is sort of like just a personal um, sort of interest and fascination. And then I think sort of finally, and perhaps as importantly, um, everyone seems to be really quite nice in ENT. You know, it's nice people, nice Sort of doctors friendly, mm-hmm. and uh, and I just thought this is a specialty for me, really. So here I am. And it's amazing how it all links in to the the, the rest of the body, the the impact that the ear, nose, and throat health has yeah. on on the rest of the body. But in research for the show, we came across this alarming statistic: forty six to eighty eight percent of head and neck cancers in the UK mm. are preventable. That's a huge statistic. Please tell us what actions we can take to prevent cancer at all. Yeah, it's it's a really good point. It's really important. 
important point to raise that before we talk about intervention and treatment, preventative medicine is just so, so important, particularly within the context of head and neck cancer, where the two major culprits, um, recurring culprits, uh, smoking and um, and alcohol. Um, I think the other thing to say is in the Indian um, and Asian subcontinent, where uh, the betel nut is chewed as, as part of uh, palm chewers, etc., uh, that also massively increases the rate of oral cavity cancer. So, um, smoking, uh, alcohol, and, and sort of chewing tobacco. If, 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 that sort of subcontinent of that Indian population, etc. Um, these are the, the real ones to avoid. So for cancer of the voice box, for instance, mm. we've seen really dramatic reductions um, in the incidence of laryngeal cancer associated with the uh, reduction in smoking that has occurred in uh, in, in, in our population uh, and, and so I think there are tangible, tangible um, links there. They're, they're the sort of the major, major ones that, that people can do. Mm-hmm. And if you do unfortunately get cancer, what are the different options available? And then tell us a little bit about the robotic surgery that you do. Mm. So it, it very much depends on the subsite, uh, because really what we're talking about in the context of what I do is uh, treating cancers that can arise anywhere from inside the throat, be it the back of the throat, which is called the oropharynx, uh, sort of tonsil, um, back of tongue. This subset of cancer, oropharyngeal cancer, is, uh, is, is the one subset that's actually rising. It's the, it's the one that is increasing the incidence uh, at, uh, at a rate mm. that, um, that, that compared to others. Um, or then you've got larynx, voice box cancer, or, or further down the throat, the junction of the throat of the food pipe can get cancers there. So cancers in the, what we call the upper aerodigestive tract. So depending on where it is and the extent of the, uh, the cancer, um, which you will ascertain by means of investigations, scans, uh, and then also usually biopsy to analyse tissue, you then get all the pieces of the jigsaw together to get full picture, which is the staging uh, of that uh, disease process. And on the basis of where it is and the extent of the cancer, that will then dictate the appropriate uh, treatments, which could range from surgery and um, and radiotherapy and or chemotherapy in the, um, in the what we call, what's called the adjuvant setting, or, or indeed giving somebody primary um, radiotherapy and or chemotherapy uh, in the upfront setting. It does depend on, as I say, the location and the extent of the, of the disease um, pathology that's going on. Okay. And then you have the transoral robotic surgery. Before we come on to mm. that, though, what would be the symptoms of oral cancer that would trigger uh, uh, the uh, alarm in the patient and make them want to come and see you for a diagnosis? Mm-hmm. So, you know, head and neck cancer is a very broad umbrella term um, and, uh, and, and, and most patients will, will, will actually, the first alarm bell will be a neck swelling, actually. The majority of patients will actually present with a lump in 
and that will be the sort of trigger uh, for prompting a uh, you know a trip to the GP and then a special an urgent specialist referral thereafter. Um, but there are certain symptoms that can also uh, coexist, um, and again the symptoms that can occur very much are driven and dictated by where the site of the uh, of, of the primary is. So if, for instance, it's within the voice box, then often the first symptom that one would um, notice is a change in voice or hoarseness that just doesn't get better. And basically with the context of somebody that is a smoker, that, that can be, uh, so that's, that's an alarm bell or call a red flag uh, to seek an urgent uh, specialist opinion, uh, or at least to go to the GP in the first instance and get checked out. Um, if, for instance, the primary is in the back of the throat, it's like oropharyngeal cancer, uh, sometimes there are no other symptoms, it's just a neck lump. But you can, patients sometimes complain of pain when they swallow. Mm-hmm. And uh, not uncommon is associated pain in the ear, uh, particularly on the side of where the, where the problem may be. Uh, weight loss is, is something um, to sort of to, to always check for. Um, and then, uh, you know, in the context of cancers that arise a little bit further down in the area digestive tract at the junction of maybe the throat and the food pipe, then actually just swallowing problems, unable to swallow, uh, things not going down. Um, so these are the sort of uh, the cardinal uh, symptoms. But sometimes the patients are actually symptomatic, um, and, um, and so that's why it's so so important to get a um, an expedient specialist opinion. Mm-hmm. And is this something that can run in families? Is it genetic, or uh, some of it will be lifestyle induced? And there were many actors that have actually died of throat cancer, um, having the HPV virus, which we'll come on to later. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. You're raising really good points here. Um, there is uh, genetic predisposition, there can be genetic predisposition, um, but there are also other factors uh, that, that come into play. And often it's a complex interplay between multiple factors that can uh, culminate in the uh, you know the the the, the um, production of a, of a throat cancer um, with in terms of true genetics family history thyroid cancer which is a slightly separate beast mm-hmm. slightly separate thing altogether is is the one uh, head and neck um, you know, sort of cancer where 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 you know, a genetic predisposition in terms of it running in families exposure to radiotherapy or radiation is a risk factor um, for, for cancers in the head and neck. Then rarer, uh, you have, again, in the head and neck region, you have glands that produce saliva, subantibular um, glands and the parotid glands, which are to the side of the face or just under the jaw, and you can get growths and swellings uh, within these uh, glands, um, which, the vast majority of which are actually non-cancerous, but some subset is left can turn uh, into something nasty. So I think the overarching message is if you notice a neck swelling um, and or you have any of the symptoms um, that I've uh, mentioned, you should seek an urgent opinion. Yes, absolutely. And one of the things I really like about you is your willingness to embrace innovation and technology to help uh, prevent and also treat conditions. And let's talk a bit about 
TORS, T-O-R-S. Let's talk about what what is it and how can it help us? So TORS uh, is an acronym for transoral robotic surgery. Um, Transoral robotic surgery is a surgical procedure whereby a tool, uh, I call an expensive scalpel really, is being used by the surgeon uh, to perform a minimally invasive operation through the mouth um, to perform surgery in a less invasive way than would have thus far been possible by harnessing technology, surgical technology, which is robotic surgical technology, in order to perform surgeries in essentially a difficult to access area where, uh, in a region where um, not only is maybe the, the, the cancer in that region uh, difficult to access, but the space within which the cancer is is small and tight. Um, and in the context of uh, transoral robotic surgery to remove throat cancers, which is what I do and uh, I pioneer in the UK, um, the, 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 the real sort of value of this lies in the fact that you've got complex structures um, nerves, blood vessels running in a, in a small area which you really want to try and preserve but at the same time you need to also try and remove the cancer safely and get all the way around the cancer uh, in order to do a curative uh, operation. So therefore harnessing the technology of the, of the robotic platform um, allows one to do surgery in a way that has really quite transformed or revolutionized uh, the way we treat um, such cancers. Um, so to give you an example, for instance, um, as to why and how that is, um, perhaps an example could be of a throat cancer, which conventionally would have required a very big operation with a lot of collateral damage to get that throat cancer out. And uh, for instance, missing the jaw, opening the neck up, uh, Forming a tracheostomy where you, where you make a hole in the windpipe, um, sometimes even borrowing tissue from somewhere else to reconstruct the area. Um, and uh, this is very morbid surgery. Um, and with the context of where the location of, of the primary is, um, the, collateral, the collateral damage in terms of not only um, aesthetics, but in terms of speech and swallow, big things that we take for granted can't be underestimated. Um, so by using a technique where you basically put in a, a, an endoscope, which is a camera, which is a 3D camera, gives the operating surgeon a three-dimensional immersive view of the operating um, area that you need to remove. And then the surgeon is sat in a console right by the, the patient, controlling miniaturized uh, um, instruments by means of a console, by means of a, like a miniaturized sort of joystick type thing, a micro manipulator, and actually moving miniaturized five millimeter instruments in, in directions that are almost impossible with the human hand to resect that cancer uh, so that the collateral damage to the adjacent structures uh, doesn't happen. Um, and therefore, you don't need to do such morbid open operations. That then translates to huge winnings in terms of recovery for the patient, uh, a reduction in complication, um, and, and ultimately reduced um, inpatient stay 
so it's it's a huge win for the patient. It's also a huge win in terms of healthcare costs because you know now rather than a patient being on an intensive care unit for four or five days and then an inpatient for three or four weeks and now going home in, in, in sort of two or three days. So I'm doing operations that have been possible to do, um, you know, or I'm doing operations whereby it's giving patients an alternative treatment option to treat that throat cancer. Um, so, so that's been done within the context of um, a clinical, a clinical study actually, um, which is funded by Cancer Research UK. Um, so that gives you hopefully some insight into transorm robotic surgery within the context of head neck cancer. Yeah, and it's great that we can now diagnose, well, prevent and diagnose and actually treat uh, these conditions much better. And just a little bit of an in, uh, interesting fact, people who have died of throat cancer, Humphrey Bogart and Lana Turner and George Harrison from the Beatles, is is quite sad, really. And you wonder if we had these technologies back then, would they still be with us today, these amazing, uh, amazing singers and souls? So... And now we can talk about HPV and the HPV virus and how that has an impact on throat cancer. So what is HPV Mm. and how can it be linked to cancer of the throat? Yeah, so this is the real crux of of what's going on in in, in my field at the moment. HPV is driving the uh, increased incidence of oropharyngeal cancer. HPV is... Uh, is a again it's an acronym which stands for human papilloma virus and it's the name of a group of viruses um, over 200 in fact um, that affect the skin and the membranes that line the body um, most of HPV strains are harmless and some cause minor problems such as veruca and skin um, but some can cause um, cancer and the um, vulnerable areas for high risk HPV infection are areas, anatomical areas of the body that include the mouth and the throat, but that also can include the cervix, um, the vagina, the anus, the penis. So um, HPV is very common and uh, most sexually active people will acquire uh, a gentle HPV infection, uh, usually um, sort of as a uh, having had um, sexual uh, contact for the first time. It's, it's, it's kind of like uh, it's as common as a virus that causes a, a cold. You know, it, it's almost impossible to um, to, to sort of avoid as such. Um, HPV is passed on between people by skin to skin contact, but it also is passed on by sexual contact um, and I mean although it's possible but not proven that even kissing can pass on HPV oh. um, so it's um, it's something that affects uh, all people whether they're heterosexual gay uh, bisexual uh, it's really common and for the vast majority of patients um, what happens is it just actually is dealt with by the immune system of of the body and um, it's gotten rid of but in a small proportion of cases it's not dealt with and the reason that we don't really quite know 
HPV strains then go on in subsequent years to um, cause cancers of the cervix or of the throat or the places that I've just um, that I've just um, mentioned to you. Wow! Suddenly, uh, a little date on Tinder doesn't look so appealing. <laughs> If that's been caught so easily like that. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, what can you do to avoid HPV? Well, you know, protection. I get you, but actually, there's 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 uh, reduce the chance of HPV. Number of sexual partners, yes, but actually, it's so common that even just one uh, sexual contact. There's even you know, there's even reports of of non um, of HPV positive. Uh, um, cancers in people that have never had any sexual contact. So it's one of these things that actually, um, it, it actually the main thing that in terms of prevention is is, um, is immunisation. Actually, which of course girls have uh, um, been immunised, you know, from the age of 12, 13 for many years. Actually, because of the risk of cervix cancer, and over the last few years, there's been a, a, a big clamour for boys to also be allowed to be immunised. And I'm pleased to say that um, just recently in the last uh, six to eight months, um, uh, that now in the NHS is is, something that's now uh, possible. Um, The Throat Cancer Foundation is a really excellent resource. It's a national charity uh, which aims to raise awareness um, and and essentially demystify myths uh, because there's a lot of... um, a lot of nonsense written around this area. And there's also a, a lot of um, stigma, unnecessary stigma associated um, with it. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, it's, it's something that's really important to address in, a, in an open, transparent way. And that's what I really like about how you come across with patients. You're very open-minded, non-judgmental, and you really listen and care to their whole story. And you give them sensible, practical advice that they can implement so that they can have they can be in the percentage of people where the immune system can handle and deal with it and, and not uh, have any worsening of their condition. And I think that's um, a testament to how you operate. So thank you very much for that. Thank you, Stephanie. Thank you so much. So if any of the listeners want to come and see you and have a consultation with you, where is the best place to get in touch with you? You're You're in a few places, so... Um, well, there's a few options, I suppose. Yeah, that's right. I mean, my NHS practice is at Guy's, uh, Guy's and St. Thomas's Hospital, um, and uh, I see patients privately um, at the London Bridge Hospital, which is uh, the Shard, uh, and also um, there's a, there's a, there's a, uh, an the Shard at the HCA based on the Guy's site. Um, so I do robotic surgery um, in the context of and neck conditions that I've mentioned, but also in non-cancerous conditions as well. Um, so there's the London Bridge Hospital, but I also have a practice centrally, um, the London Clinic, which is right by Harley Street, so it's 5 Devonshire Place, um, and Chelsea uh, is the other area. Um, I also sort of operate so that's the Lister Hospital, uh, and I've recently also been granted privileges at Princess Grace, which is, which is another central one. So I'm pretty accommodating, depending on the... That's, that's really cool. And you also have 81 five out of five reviews on Doctify. And that's really, really impressive. <laughs> Thank you. 
Thank you. I think it's gone up to 98 at last count, actually. But oh. it's just sort of, it takes it takes a while to uh, refresh, which um, is exciting. There's a massive explosion in surgical tech, particularly in the context of robotic systems. So it's really changing the landscape in terms of the accessibility and affordability, um, which is great for patients because it just means uh, things are going to drive down cost. So I'm developing systems with the likes of um, companies called Cambridge Medical Robotics and uh, Google and J&J have a very interesting um, sort of uh, system that's, uh, that's, that's a few years away yet. But the Doctify platform is a is a useful platform because it has my bio, patient reviews, and patients can actually um, just sort of contact me directly from there and uh, get through to my PA um, or get through to me. Marvellous. Okay, well, thank you so much for coming on to the show. Mr. Asset Aurora, you are fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you, Stephanie, as well. Thanks for the opportunity. Okay, and thank you, everyone, for listening to the Urban Health Podcast, keeping busy people healthy.